podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, Patreon. This what is up? Ask the Minimalists Anything, uh, number 23. We're here with TK Coleman because we just finished Cheers. a couple of different yeah. episodes with him. Thanks for putting in a long morning with us, man. It's been fun. This is like hour number four. We, we appreciate stuff. We're You're, like in double overtime. That's now. right. <laughs> Exhausted, but still giving our best. But there was some, there was a quadruple overtime this year in the playoffs. I forget who it was. Denver, maybe? Oh, get out of here. Um, yeah. Well, but, I'm like LeBron. I like to get a lot of minutes on the floor so I can rack up my stats. Uh, but, but I hear he has over 60,000 minutes now if you count the playoffs. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh. And he's only, what, 15 seasons in. Like that, yeah. Those are Carl Malone kind of minutes. Yep. Only way he can catch Jordan. Just rack up those stats because ah! you're not getting the title. Yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't, you know, quit between championships. Oh. Oh. <laughs> or, punch a, or punch a dry erase board. <laughs> All right, we got, uh, we got some questions here. Tristan says, what is something that both of you have learned to do in order to keep your motivation for doing each, each day's most important tasks? That's actually goes into our uh, what we were talking about earlier with with respect to, to motivation but um, keep motivation for, for doing the most important tasks I mean mm. really what he's talking about here is prioritization it feels like mm. right because yeah. uh, the problem I think with day's most important tasks is we have a hard time prioritizing yeah and mm. everything actually whatever's in front of us becomes priority right yep. and so like if i have my computer up right now my phone on like all of a sudden text message priority that's why i don't ever put my phone on the table when i'm eating a meal with someone because mm. all i'm saying to that person is ryan you're the most important person in my life until this thing Unless... tells me something else is more important yeah. I, I just remember that i always put my phone on the table whenever we yeah. went out for and lunch we judge so you, <laughs> and we judge you every time yeah. we just talk about you after the fact <laughs> So, so what do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a prioritization yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. You said it best. I, I use what I call the casino technique where um, the idea is if you go to a casino, you, you want to have your number in mind. bet on black. <laughs> <laughs> if, you have, if you go to the casino, you want to have your number in mind before you walk in, right? Uh -huh. Because when you walk in, there's the music, there's the mm -hmm. entertainment, there are no windows, so you don't know when it's getting late. You might end up feeling lucky and making impulsive decisions. Mm. So you wanna decide what your number is before you walk in. You, yeah. you wanna say, all right, 25 bucks is my stopping point. 50 bucks is a stopping point. This is the amount I feel okay with losing or risking mm -hmm. in order to have fun. That's my price of having fun, and I'm not gonna gamble any more than that. And then when you go in, you go in with the understanding that there's something in the moment that's gonna conflict with that number. Something's gonna make you feel like, oh, I should just play one more game. And you choose to stick with it because you know you can trust what you've decided on beforehand. So one technique I use is I don't allow my decisions to be made impulsively. I think about my day before I go to bed. And that, that doesn't mean I have to decide every hour exactly when I'm gonna do this and there's no room for spontaneity. You think but about I, the next day you're saying? I think of the next day okay. and, and I say, hey, what's one thing which if I don't do will cause me to feel disappointed in myself, will cause me to feel like I haven't fully lived and let's make sure I commit to that. And then everything else is fair game. Mm. Yeah, I do the same exact thing, man. Uh, Mariah and I will even like on Sundays we'll go over our week and like just kind of lay it out and then go go by each day at at night like going yep. over the next day exactly what you just said. Yep. Well, the thing is, Tristan, your priorities are what you do, not what you uh, say you do. So, are you a liar or are you a truth teller? <laughs> 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 but really, I mean, like 
the, the thing is, is like, there's no mo- for me, there's no motivation except to live up to what I say my priorities are. That's my motivation is I want to be a genuine person. So I'm not perfect. Uh, you know, I don't like live up to my priorities 100% of the time, but I got more wins than losses. Uh, I wrote whole, I wrote a whole essay on that. Uh, Sean, you can put a link to it if you want. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you've got to, you've got to build these habits and like, that's honestly how you're going to stay motivated or how you're going to keep the priorities front of mind. How are you going to act on those priorities is like, you got to build those habits and habits doesn't necessarily mean motivation. I don't think. Mm. Yeah. I think too often we, we, we say one thing is a priority, but something else is, uh, check out the rule of two essay as well. So I'll put a link to that in, in the show notes. I won't go through it, but uh, it's what rules you set up for yourself help you better identify your priorities. Mm-hmm. Connor asks, how have the two of you moved on from breakups? My girlfriend and I decided to break up two months ago, and I still find myself beating myself up over it. Mm. We did a whole episode about breakups with Nate Green, so yeah. I would say go back and listen to that episode. It was really good. Um, he had just gotten out of a 10-year... Do you know Nate? I don't know if you know him. He's a great dude. Um he lives in uh, Portland now, but he's uh, from Missoula, and um, he he was in a ten year relationship, and they decided to end it amicably. And he came on here and talked about the mm-hmm. the sort of the the separating. And the way we looked at it was th- there are two types of sort of splits. See, I'm going to I'm not going to use the term breakup. Even the term split could be negative. Uh, the two types of moving on. One is divorce. One is graduation. And, and mm-hmm. which, which do you want to do? And, and ideally, uh, even if you're leaving a relationship, for me, I want to re- leave the relationship as a graduation. Like, wow, it's not like, because what we do is we, what, it's the opposite of a rose cl- colored glasses. It's like everything is like poop colored glasses. Like, <laughs> uh, just because it ended terribly, all of a sudden the whole relationship was bad. But no, you can acknowledge that, wow. This was phenomenal, and it's not ideal anymore. Mm-hmm. Just like my BlackBerry phone is not ideal for me now, but it worked out well for that period of time. And and we can go back and say, wow, I really appreciate that for what it was. It doesn't mean I have to carry it forward for the rest of my life. Same yeah. thing with high school. There's a point where you graduate high school, mm. but if you had to be there in perpetuity, you would want to get a divorce from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I need a little bit more information for his question because it's like, why did they break up? Was it his decision? Was it her decision? I mean, if it was his decision and he's beating himself up like, oh man, I should not have broke up with her. Like that's something you can totally revisit. If it was a graduation or it sounds like it might've been a divorce. Either way, uh, Connor, time is going to heal. Like it's, it's funny when I got divorced at like, I think I was 21 when I got divorced. Maybe I was 22. But anyway, um, the best advice I got, which at the time was not the best advice, it was hindsight. I was like, shit, that was the best advice I got. I didn't even appreciate it when I got it. Is um, my my buddy came to me who had a long relationship he was in. He got divorced and he's like, look, man. He goes, I know that right now you feel like shit. He's like, but in one year, you're going to feel so much better. And he was like, "That that is what you need to look towards is like the hope of like, you are going to come out of this. Because I was like walking around like, you know, how can everyone be happy when the world is so miserable? You know what I'm saying? Like, I really had this down and out attitude, but I remember it was almost like a year to the day when, like, I woke up and I didn't have that pain anymore. And I was like, oh, that dude was right. Like, it, what, like, time, like, really does heal it. And, like, that's, that's probably the best advice I can give you, Connor, with anyone out there who's gone through a breakup and, like, they're, they're stressing over it and they're, you know, still hold a lot of hurt over that, that breakup. Like, time really does heal all. And, 
the next thing I would say is like, just learn from whatever mistakes you made in that relationship. Like learn from, I know I did. took me a lot of like, took, I screwed up a lot of relationships, (laughs) like a lot of relationships. I screwed up a lot of them until I learned how to be in a good relationship. So I think that's kind of key too, Connor, learn from the mistakes you made in that. Yeah. Um, That last phrase, I still find myself beating myself up over it. Uh, I'm like, Ryan, I love to know more. If you're beating yourself up over it because you initiated the breakup and you feel guilty, um, then I would simply comfort myself with the thought that even though what you did might make the other party feel bad, you're actually doing them a a service. Mm. You're doing them something good. There is nothing worse you can do to a human being than to treat them as if you are doing them a favor by being in a relationship with them. That's actually insulting. uh, And for you to carry yourself with the posture of, I could do so much better than this relationship, but I'm gonna stick with you out of the kindness of my heart. Like the person you were with deserves better than that. So if you can't honestly invest in that relationship and give it your best shot, you owe it to them to release them so they can be available to someone who can. So don't feel guilty. You actually made their life better by being honest about where you stand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll just stop there. Yeah, Ryan covered <laughs> yeah. the rest. <laughs> uh, Sean, can you send Connor a copy of Everything That Remains? Because there's a chapter in there about the uh, the only love of my life at the time. You know, I've, ha- I've had two people who I would call the love of my life at this point. Um, and and so I've been in love twice. Uh, and and I'm so I, honored I, I, yeah, no, to be one like, of those people. Thanks, bro. Like, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Here we Ryan, are talking about love. <laughs> Ryan, I, I'm, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Oh. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Oh, I invented the it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I'm I, talking there about the us box and uh, the, the concept there. I don't have time to dive into the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it's in Everything That Remains. And it's actually my favorite chapter in Everything That Remains. Lindsay asks, as I get rid of time, as I get rid of time consuming things that do not serve me purposefully, I find I have more free time to do things I thoroughly enjoy. Okay, so you're, you're buying less stuff and now you have more time to do stuff you enjoy. You have more time for experiences. I've been using my time to read classic literature and hike with my mom more often. What are you thankful for that you have been able to spend this extra time doing? Mm. So if you have free time, if you free up your time, mm-hmm. it's a it's a weird it's a weird wording, right? Because we all have the same time. Right. On this earth, we have the same t- time today at least. Mm-hmm. How we choose to spend that. And sometimes we feel like we have to spend it a particular way, right? Like I have to go into work. Well, you don't have to. There's consequences if you don't go into work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the only time you have to do something is if the government has locked you up and now they're making you do what you're at, sort of at gunpoint telling you what to do. Um, but otherwise, you have to do only what you tell yourself you have to do, and it's 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 all an option. And so you freed up this time. What, what are you thankful for now that you spend your time on as opposed to, I guess, mindlessly consuming? Well, I know, like, when I was in the corporate world, like, I just, my time was consumed with, you know, trying to get that bigger paycheck, trying to get that promotion. And, like, now that I uh, do have, you know, I freed up some time. Like for me, it's honestly like going to the gym, working out, like spending time on healthful things. So not just going to the gym, but going on hikes, uh, going to yoga class. Like I, there are days where, uh, I know that it's a busy day and maybe I can't go focus on, you know, a healthful activity that day, but I find myself 
having time more often than not to do those things. And that is so nice. Like, because when I would work out, like I'd almost beat myself up sometimes. Cause it's like, Oh man, like I should be working right now. Or, you know, I should be making more money right now. Or, um, yeah, it's like, even though I carved the time out, a, it was like time I really didn't have to spare. So I'd have to give up something usually was sleep. But like now I don't, I, there's no, there's not an opportunity cost that like I, when I'm at the gym, there's not an opportunity cost I'm looking at and being like, damn, I had to give up that to go to the gym today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's five things. I mean, we wrote about it in our first book, health, yeah. relationships, creativity, um, which for me is writing, but also these podcasts, right? Um, and then uh, growth and contribution, right? Being able to contribute beyond myself in a meaningful way and be able to grow in a way that is um, al- aligned with the person that I want to become. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of mine is uh, staying up really late at night with my wife, listening to true crime podcasts and analyzing the hell out of each case and, 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 and arguing and debating uh. about what really happened and coming up with our theories. Uh, we even fantasize one day about becoming like uh, uh, private eyes or you know, becoming <laughs> lawyers just so we can you know, get involved in solving cases. But yeah, that's one that's of the awesome. ways we like to use our time. I have never, I, I gotta check that podcast though. I've never actually listened to, I've heard of it, I've never listened to an episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, a good starting point if you wanna, want a good true crime is uh, there's a podcast called Serial Mm-hmm. And uh, the first, not get into it, man. You listen to the first season, yeah. The Adnan case, yeah. You couldn't get into it. It was boring. Here's, here's what I like about podcasts. For me, um, I like. To me, I think Joe Rogan is the is the Mozart of podcasting, um, and to me, this form is fly on the wall, and that's why I think these Patreon things work so well for us. Yeah, is um, the people who are listening get to be the a fly on the wall. They get to yeah. be here and, and they get to argue with you, even though we're not there, you know, that they're, yeah. cause they're the podcast I listen to. Like if I'm listening to Rogan or someone like that, I, I want to butt in and be like, no, it's, but right it's there. that. And, and to me, that's what really stands out. But you're right. There are these really good sort of scripted or whatever you want to call it. Well produced. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Ira glass and you know, this American life is, is, yeah. is something like that. Um, uh, 99% invisible radiotopia. Sure. Um, there are some good ones, but for me, like this as an art form is sort of like it's just this. Yeah, it's, it's having a conversation. Two, three, four people. Like you, f- you feel like you're included in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's I just want, not your flavor of ice cream, basically. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What I want to do is I want to sit next to you while we listen to the first episode of Serial Season One together, because I believe if I'm sitting right there and I'm pointing out all the things you should like. So that's where I need to start. That's where I need to start Serial Season One, Episode One. Yeah, ignore what he's saying. Make up your own mind. Listen listen to Episode One. And if it doesn't reach you, if it doesn't hook you, then just move on. (laughs) Well, you know, I love the conversational podcasts. Like it's one of the biggest compliments is when people come up to me, they're like, dude, you're my best friend. You don't even know. Like, (laughs) and you're just like, like you sound on the podcast, like that, that's great. And I, and I, I too enjoy that conversational aspect, but I also really enjoy the heavily produced stuff too. That's just like a sit down and listen type story. Yeah. So I'll check it out, man. Cool. One other thing I'm thankful for is, um, I don't have a whole lot on my calendar these days and that's intentional. Nice. And, And it's because, um, I used to always say yes, 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 yes to every sort of demand. And it stressed me out having a full calendar. And yeah. I, when I wake up in the morning, look at the calendar and know there's no 
commitment on there, yeah. I, I, I get excited about that yeah. Yeah. because it, it means I can focus on those five things that I talked about. Okay, here are my priorities now because the calendar is often someone else's priority. Mm. And uh, if your calendar is just full of everyone else's priorities, then you're sort of wedging yourself out of the picture altogether. Yeah. Yep. Kareem says, when assessing the value of things in your life, how do you determine if the value is real or not? I found that you find that you can sometimes justify anything. Sure. Yeah, I mean, so so for me, like, when we talk about like, does something add value to your life? Is does it serve a purpose or does it bring you joy? Oh well, these twelve pairs of jeans bring me joy. Right. Right. I mean, you, yeah, you could talk yourself into yeah. that. You you can, yeah. but you. I think. I, I so I, if we're talking about pleasure then yeah, the genes might bring you pleasure. I don't know that they actually bring you joy. And I think very few things bring me joy. So what's the difference between pleasure and joy? So I, I look at, I, I think there are sort of four stages here of, I don't know what you would call it, satisfaction or, or whatever. One is pleasure. That's the most ephemeral right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, we're on Patreon, so we can we can talk about this. And sure. so, so think about sex, right? Okay. So Done. <laughs> like I was already there. <laughs> um, uh, an orgasm is pleasurable. Okay. Um, but if you're walking on orgasming all the time, that's a problem. That's actually that's actually an illness. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, and it would, it, would, it would strangely be miserable, right? Right. To be to experience euphoric pleasure all the time is mm -hmm. a state of tyranny and misery. Yeah. Even though that seems to be what we're striving for when we're constantly like hit the social media, the dopamine rush, whatever mm -hmm. it is, is like, I want, I want more. I heard Duncan Trussell talking about this recently. He said, um, he, he said that, um, we're all anxious and that's the reason we go to social media. It's not that social media makes us anxious. It's, it, it gives us a, a chance to project our anxiety onto that thing where oh. it's like, I have some sort of internal anxiety. It's hard for me to express. So I'm going to go to Twitter and say, oh, I dislike the president or I dislike this. Uh, uh, that almost uh, makes me want to get off of social media. What's that, going on in, perspective. in Dominican Republic is, is uh, I, need to pr I, need, I need somewhere to place my anxiety. So I'm going to say this is what's making me anxious as opposed to like, no, there's an internal state of anxiety that I need to be able to deal with mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, well, no, I'm anxious because look who we voted for. And mm -hmm. like uh, that, that becomes an endless cycle. And uh, anyway, so pleasure is, is very fleeting. Happiness is, I think, is a step above that for me. Yeah. Uh, and again, we, we use all these terms interchangeably. If you're using all these terms interchangeably, fine. I'm just saying that's not what I mean by these things. I think happiness is different from pleasure. If we're using the sex analogy, maybe it is uh, uh, the experience of, of, of sharing that ex sexual experience with, with your partner, so with you, with Mariah, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're, you're sharing that sexual experience with her and that makes you happy, right? Sure. Um, I think the step above, uh, above that is contentment, mm -hmm. whereas you look at your broader sexual relationship with Mariah and you're contented by that sexual relationship. It's not one particular event, it's a series of events. Mm -hmm. And I think joy it, it also includes, I, I think you can't have joy without the giving to other people. And so in this scenario, it'd be giving the pleasure to other people, right? Or, or giving the orgasm to someone else or sharing this, this happy experience or series of happy experiences together. Mm -hmm. I look at that as, as joy. Uh, and so joy to me, mm -hmm. the, there's a component of giving that is required for joy. I don't mm -hmm. think it's possible to experience joy. I think it's, I think it's possible to experience long-term lasting contentment. That's nirvana, what someone might say, or enlightenment. Um, 
But I don't think you get joy without without the giving piece. As Interesting. Well. What about what do you think, man? I, I want to offer a little commentary on the joy thing because I I think that's absolutely correct. I do think one area where people kind of trip themselves up is by treating these sorts of things like an intellectual puzzle, right? So if a slice of chocolate cake is before me or the opportunity to go to a concert is before me, I sort of go, oh boy, is this pleasure or joy? Ah." Mm. And sometimes you just gotta live life and give yourself room to experiment with your curiosities, see where they lead and evaluate. You've gotta live scientifically in this way, right? You're not always going to know ahead of time what has the real value. There is such a thing as finding out if you like chocolate ice cream by actually tasting it. There is such a thing as finding out if you like jazz by listening to it first rather than trying to figure out if it's pleasure or joy, you know, whatever. And so sometimes we find out the difference between pleasure and joy by looking back over time and distinguishing that which endures from that which is fleeting. I know that reading brings me joy in a way that chocolate cake cannot do because I have experienced both of them multiple times and I'm able to look back and evaluate not just how they make me feel in the moment, but how they make me feel a day later, a week later, a year later, and I've experienced that multiple times. So I think that's absolutely right. As a way of discovering that fact, don't treat it too much like it's a purely philosophical exercise. Give yourself room to make mistakes, to try things out, to be mm-hmm. experimental, and discover what's valuable to you based on the felt presence of immediate experience. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would say just just to put a button on that is don't let your pleasure get in the way of your joy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can tweet that podcast, Sean. Yeah, I mean, when I think about, like, let's say the 12 pairs of jeans, or let's just say, like, a really extensive wardrobe. Uh-huh. For me, like, yes, I wish that, or not, I, I don't wish this, but um, I could see myself enjoying a very extensive wardrobe. Like, man, I look good in this shirt. I look good in this Gucci belt. I look good in these shoes. And, like, always being having, like, a different uniform each day. Like, I could see myself finding some type of pleasure in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little bit of joy, but the opportunity cost is like having uh, the opportunity cost of having a wardrobe like that is uh, not being able to wake up and just like uh, not not have those choices. So the freedom of not having the choice does that make sense? Um, like waking up and and just putting on my the outfit that I wear every single day. Like I would much rather not face decision fatigue than have that wardrobe. So I think that's where I like differentiate the, the difference between whether it's something is joyful or not. Like is this thing that brings me joy creating some kind of discomfort or pain in another area? And if it is, then like to me, like that's, that is ephemeral pleasure. That isn't, that isn't true joy. Yeah. The other thing too is, is like what kind of person does these, does uh, an extensive wardrobe make me or how does it make me feel? What kind of person does it make me feel like? Does it make me feel better than other people? Does it make me uh, like, oh, I stand out and people look up to me and they put me on a pedestal. Like for me personally, like that's, I don't want to be put on a pedestal. I don't want to be better than other people. Like I want to be like everyone else in in the sense that, you know, in in an equality sense and, and vice versa. So, so like that's the other question too, is like the things that are bringing you joy, like what kind of person are those things making you? And is, is this some, is it someone that you want to be? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've noticed like I used to put so much emphasis on things and, and even now, like I appreciate aesthetic beauty. Um, and maybe sometimes to, to my detriment. 
And so I have to be careful with that as well because that's not actually bringing me joy. Yeah. It, it's it's bringing me pleasure. It's maybe even aiding my contentment. Again, if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm using these stricter definitions or whatever, it's it's bringing peace to my life with the you know pleasurable aesthetics, right? Um, but but what you just said, right? If you put that above what is truly meaningful, it's, it's putting the facade on a rotting ha- foundation, a house yeah. that, that is yeah. you know, caving in on itself, but just because it has a beautiful sort of facade, like that yeah. doesn't last very long. Yeah. One, one little thing, man. I have this sensitivity about this issue just because I work with a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds with Praxis. And, and sometimes young people can be very preoccupied with making the right decision. And there's this huge fear of like, oh, I'm going to make the wrong decision and treating everything like it belongs in that box. So I have this opportunity to go to Europe for six months, uh, but I can also take summer classes. Which one is the right decision? And most of the important decisions in life can't be distinguished in that way. You know, mm. we don't, we can't predict the future. We can't determine which one is the pleasure versus the joy when we don't know. And I think the pleasure versus joy distinction is very important, but it's also a very mature one. You know, we've lived a lot of life. We've been through a lot of stuff and we have a, an enriched understanding of what that distinction means for us. But the starting point to arriving at that enriched understanding is to consider your own interest and curiosities at the time and not be too demanding of yourself to know which side of the joy pleasure equation it belongs to you you got to try things out you've got to accumulate self-knowledge over time and and having some sort of standard for distinguishing pleasure versus joy isn't going to give you all the answers you need for what brings you joy in particular and what's pleasure for you in particular i just think that's an important thing to keep in there and and i think maybe to 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 go along with that, like, a lot of things that bring you pleasure will also bring you joy. Ultimately, they're part of the joy equation. Yeah. The the problem is when they bifurcate so far, and like heroin's going to bring you pleasure, right? Sure. Right. But but you know that there's a short term pleasure, but a long term pain that comes along with absolutely. That. And yeah. It's going to it's going to extract all the joy from your yeah. life on a, on a very short timeline, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for us to also say like we're not against pleasure. It's just when you when pleasure is the main focus, like that is where it co- it creates the long term pain. Yeah, I, I think uh, maybe the the better question is like, does this help me live a more meaningful life? Yeah. yeah, and and part of a meaningful life includes enjoying it, and part of that enjoyment is pleasure. Yeah, and and I mean, what would life be like if you didn't have pleasure? What would sex be like if without you? Know, well, I'm never gonna have an orgasm. I'm just gonna have sex. That that's a weird. Yeah, like uh, I shouldn't say weird. That that's the wrong way to categorize it. But like, it would be uh, a strange approach. However, it would also be strange, at least to me. Like it would feel far less meaningful if I was only having sex to have an orgasm. Right. Um, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's like sense. there's there's a uh, yeah, I mean, really, what you're I found saying the is the one topic that TK quiets up about. <laughs> we well, found no, there, it. There's a ba- there's a balance. Be- there's there's a balance is what you're talking about, Josh. Like there's a balance between uh, having sex with no orgasm and uh-huh. then having sex just for the orgasm. There 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 is a middle ground there, and I think that's ultimately what you're trying to say. And I think that's a great advice for Kareem is like find that middle ground with with the joy that you're you're seeking. Sarah asks, I read an article. I read an article that my job will be obsolete with machine learning coming into my industry. Ooh, so this is uh, TK, discoverpraxis.com. <laughs> um, uh, uh, TK, you want to talk about what you do with, uh, with, with Discover uh, Praxis and, um, or with, with Praxis, Discover Praxis is the website. Um, it's, it's 
people who want to circumvent the traditional path, the the recent traditional path. Yeah, you know, when it comes down to it, it, it's a professional boot camp or an education experience that teaches two things, how to become hireable and how to become indispensable. Uh, I define being hireable as making other people feel so excited about the possibility of working with you that they want to hire you. And I define being indispensable as making other people feel so excited about the actual experience of working with you that they want to keep you on and that they want to continue giving you more opportunity to grow with them. And that kind of that kind of achievement requires an entirely different approach to education. It's not about studying things randomly or studying things that bureaucrats decide are good for you. You've got to understand how marketplaces work. You've got to understand how job creation happens. You've got to understand what employers are looking for and what are the reasons they make decisions to hire people, to lay people off, to promote people, what it is that determines wealth and understanding value creation. And those are the things that we teach. You do this program uh, it, it's like the the saying: if you teach a person how to fish, you'll feed them for a day. You teach if you if you give a person a fish, you'll feed them for a day. If you teach them how to fish, you'll feed them for a lifetime. Our goal with Praxis is to teach people the kinds of things that put them in a position where they can create and discover opportunities for a lifetime. And we do this in a way that doesn't depend on your credential, but it depends on you learning how to signal value creation for yourself. Mm. So that is perfect for this, for Sarah's question here, because she's saying, hey, my job is gonna be obsolete. I enjoy what I do, but I'm scared of my job becoming obsolete with technology. And I wonder what you recommend for moving on to another career. For instance, how to prepare for a new career and how to figure out what to do next. Mm. You deal with a lot of people who are asking this question. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I, I, I forget what's the name of this podcast, but it's a famous- it's The Minimalists. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm so upset that I, I don't remember the name of this, but uh, his his first name is Jordan. Um, but, but I recently had him talk to our Praxis Harbinger? participants. Yes. What's yeah. the name of this podcast? The Jordan Harbinger podcast. No, no, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, it is. No, it used to be called the Art of Charm. That's it. Yeah, the Art of Charm. Yeah, okay. It's not his anymore. He uh, he moved on from that, and we actually we, had him on. We had here. him on to he's explain having, why he moved on from that. Yeah, he's yeah. he's in a legal battle with the the folks over at the Art of Charm. But anyway, yeah. Jordan Harbinger podcast. Good dude. Yeah. Yep. Uh, real good dude. So we we had him uh, speak to our Praxis participants uh, before, and one of the things he talked about was when he first started the Art of Charm. He was interested in pickup artistry and social dynamics. Mm -hmm. That's and, and he was very young and he was at that stage of life yeah. where it's like, hey, how to get girls to like yeah. me, right? I can talk about this and people will want to listen to this. So this would be yeah. a good topic to start a podcast on. Yeah. Yep. And at that stage, that's all he cared about. But because he was really curious about it, he went all in and he learned a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. But as he began to get older and mature, his interest expanded beyond that. And mm -hmm. he became more interested in how to become a better version of himself. He became interested in things like health, interested in communication, interested in business strategy. And he said his, his attention redirected to something else, but everything that he had worked on with Art of Charm actually prepared him for that. Mm -hmm. that. That it was a good thing that he didn't decide back at age 19, well, one day, based on what the crystal ball says, I'm going to be interested in business strategy. So mm -hmm. what I will do is I will follow a linear path of only reading books on business strategy so that when I get to the age where I'm actually interested in that, mm -hmm. I will be optimized for it. No, <laughs> at 19, he focused on what he was interested in at the time. Yep. That sounds like and, something that artificial intelligence would do, right? <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> I will optimize myself for business strategy. <laughs> yeah, this is what we do to ourselves when it comes to career. We, we try to predict 
who we're going to be in the future, right? We, yeah. we say, I'm going to totally ignore what's actually interesting to me right now because I don't have any guarantees that that'll be relevant to the future. So I'm going to try to predict what 30-year-old me likes, what 50-year-old me likes. And then even though that's not interesting to me today, I'm going to major in that or read a bunch of books on that so I can follow this linear path and become a boring 50-year-old mm. who only knows how to talk about this one thing. Yeah, but, but It's almost like saying, if I experience enough uh, what's the opposite of pleasure? Not pain, though. Like if I experience enough displeasure, yeah. right? Yeah. Then one day it will be pleasurable. Yeah. yeah. But, but, it's but a it, weird, weird equation. But I totally yeah. agree with you. That's exactly what we're doing. Like, right. I, I will. This won't be pleasurable until it is. Yeah. So yeah. I have to. I have to acquire a taste for you know, business management or whatever. Right. Totally. And the reason Jordan is so successful at what he does now is because all of those things he did and studied when he was curious about it remain with him and they provide transferable insights and skills to what he wants to do now. There so you if go. you think about what's really valuable, it's the ability to cross-pollinate. It's the ability to make interesting connections. Um, James Altucher calls this becoming a master of the intersection. The way to be successful is to be able to find the point of intersection between all of your different interests, and the way that you do that is by following your curiosity. So who are the people whose services we demand in life? It's the neurologist who spent 10 years trying to become a rock musician until he turned 40 and became a neurologist and was able to talk about neurology in a way that was really interesting because he was able to say things like, this is your brain on music, and here are all these fascinating metaphors that other neurologists don't know how to talk about. Who's the priest that makes you listen? It's the one that became an atheist and then rediscovered his faith. It's never the person who followed the linear path and did something because someone said there's a 99% placement rate if you take that path. It's the person who sticks with what's interesting to them now, and then as they get older and their interests evolve and they move into something else, they're able to bring those things from their theater experience, their music experience, their machine learning experience, and they're able to transfer it to that. Mm -hmm. So study machine learning until the machines take over for you because that's what you're interested in and that's your superpower. And if one day you wake up and you decide, I wanna be an actor, you're gonna be one hell of an actor because of what you're able to bring to it that none of the other actors can bring. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Let's uh, let's end with Agnet's question here. How do you organize photos? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's where we're gonna end today. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, here, here, the biggest thing for me when photos is I have to take time, and it this is not this is a simple solution. This is not an easy solution, but I have to take time to go through my photos every once in a while and delete duplicates because i mean i'll go through my photos and it's like oh there's a picture of my thumb like and i didn't realize that i had taken a picture of that so like i'll go through and like you got to curate like there's no there's no easy way to like even with documents i mean you could you know you could branch this out to say like photos and documents like you, right. you've got to be able to, to to carve some time aside to get in there and like uh, curate what you have if you have a very uncurated photo collection right now it's going to take you a lot of time to curate it, but like that, the, the key is, is like you got to take action to do it. And that's, I mean, that's my, that's my secret, which isn't so secret. You just have to take action and like really go through and curate them well. The bigger the mess, the bigger the cleanup. Amen. And if uh, you have a bunch of printed photos to scan or whatever, you can just check out our scanning party, uh, theminimalists.com slash scanning. Uh, you put party at the end of anything and Ryan will show up. With a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that... Really, like it's just it's scan using a scanner to scan all your your photos. But the way I organize them is is relatively simple. Uh, with all those photos, I just have who's in the photo in the file name, mm -hmm. and that way I can search for them. Um, but 
I don't focus too much on organizing them either. They're in my phone, and instead of organizing them, I curate them, which means I delete a lot of photos. Delete a lot of photos, and uh, I also don't take a lot of photos. Yeah, well, the best way to, to curate is to bring fewer things in in the first place, right? right yeah. The best way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. The best way to get rid of most of your stuff is to not bring it on in the first place. I got to tell you, man, I went to this, like, this uh, it was like a friends and family uh, Lead a Wise concert. And there was just a moment where I was like, I want to get Must this on. Must have been nice. <laughs> I know. I wish you could have went, man. Sorry. No room. No, I... Uh, I uh, you bring him on the podcast. I know, man. I, I uh, had a moment where I wanted to videotape just the surrounding and like how intimate it was. And I did, it was only like a 10-second video. But I just I felt so dirty afterwards. Because like, I was like, shit, like, here's this amazing intimate moment that this dude's creating. And instead of me just enjoying it, I've got to like distract myself <laughs> and capture it well no, you're actually <laughs> reminding me of uh when i was just in sedona earlier this year bex and i went on vacation her favorite vacation that she's ever been on um uh, this place uh, was a really nice place called miyamo and we did like three or four days there and it was really great and and like we did this hike and it was gorgeous and and after i was telling ryan about it, he's like, can you show me a photo i'm like yeah definitely i went to google yeah and I Googled like the place because I didn't Here's take Sedona. a single photo yeah. of the place yeah. because um, I, I wanted to experience a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. And I realized like that's not my that's not my area of expertise anyway. Like yeah. I'm not going to take a photo of that mountain better than the professional photographer who went to Sedona and set up with the perfect time and the perfect lighting and the time lapse yeah. and all that. And, and he took 700 photos to have this one photo that shows up on a Google image s search. <laughs> He's much more qualified to do that mm -hmm. than I am, and I would rather show Ryan that photo because it's going to better capture the, the one what with I your finger in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the only time I, I I will take photos in a situation like that is like if I'm trying to capture a moment where the people who are there are involved in it. Yeah. As opposed to like, well, here's a photo of the sunset because I can enjoy a sunset without the photo of yeah. it. In fact, mm -hmm. I'll enjoy it better without that photo. Yeah. It's a good place to end it, y'all. Love people, use things. TK, thank you so much for being here today. We're really grateful for you, brother. Appreciate everything that you do, man. Man, I appreciate you guys. All right, see y'all. Don Minimus.